Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me this week, or tonight even, are Ricky and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Steph. Hi, Steph. Excellent. Uh, everyone listening, this is going to be a live pod, and we are diving right into the game which just concluded in Frankfurt between the mighty Tottenham Hotspur and Eintracht Frankfurt in the Champions League. Uh, and we will be going on to briefly look back at the weekend's 3-1 North London Derby defeat. Just to be clear, we recorded a North London Derby pod on Sunday night. However, Tech Gremlins took down our recording and we decided that this was a clear sign from the Sanity Inspection Squad not to re-record and to instead look forth and address it after tonight's match, which ended 0-0. So, without further ado, chaps, let's get into what we just saw at the Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt. And we start with our... um. You know, our standard uh, beginning to a pod, which is, what did you, well, apart from the week that was, we're not doing that. So, but for games, what did you think of the team selection? Was Conti right to stick with the same lineup? And are you concerned about the lack of rotation? That's a triple to kick you all off. Who's in on this live pod? Ricky. Yes, me. Um, I think there's a kind of slight contrast between um, Conte's bemoaning of our uh, heavy fixture schedule and him then seeming reluctant to sort of change any players a uh, week, well, week to midweek, not week to week. Um, so, I mean, so in some ways, I'm not surprised that he chose the same team because he seems to believe in them. But he keeps going on about the schedule and he doesn't seem to be making any changes. I mean, the only, I mean, I thought, I, I, he's not going to make a lot of changes, but I thought two or three might be made. I mean, obviously, we're not privy to how uh, he views Eintracht Frankfurt as an opponent and our matchups with them. But um, I think I'd have probably started Cess, basically. So I wouldn't have made many changes either. Um, I mean, I don't think Conte's made a huge number of, or rotated a lot through throughout his career. I think he tends to stick with a group of players. And, you know, when someone's injured or, or, they're, or, or they're out, then someone else gets a chance. And, um, you know, I think that's largely how he played with the, you know, how he selected teams last season for us as well. So I wasn't particularly surprised. I think there's probably something to be said for... Um, for giving the players who you know, let us you know, let us down on on Saturday another chance and get it out of their system and play their way into form, and I think again, you know, we'll go on to talk about our front three who are just misfiring a little bit at the, at the moment, and I think he's trying to play them into form as well. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised. I, I mean, I, look, the team selection uh, I think was fine um, in one sense. I am a little concerned about the lack of rotation, um, to be honest. Um, and I know Antonio doesn't like fans asking questions, and quite rightly so. We shouldn't question the man, and we should trust him. However, as he did say, we are fans, and we're allowed to question him on things like pods. So I would have liked to have seen a little more rotation myself, especially, as you said, Ricky, um, in that left wing-back position. I think it would have been nice to see Cessin on start and maybe even get a break. Um, but you know. I mean, the only reason I say Perisic is one because I think obviously he'll need a rest, and two, judging by what um, uh, Conte said in his last presser, it wouldn't surprise me if Perisic is then moved to right wing back as well. In other words, if you're going to give someone a break, then when does Perisic get a break? Because he could well play at right wing back if he's not really fancying Matthew or Spence at the moment. They think, I mean, from his what he's saying, they don't seem to be training that well to create a good impression to get a start yeah. in place. So interesting point on that and we're, we're referring to the the pre-match press conference where um you know Antonio quite rightly again as I said before stuck up for his team selections he and as well he should and we should trust him but I think his comments on Matt Doherty where he said you know I'm not an idiot I don't want to lose I think there was a little bit lost in context there I don't think he was referring directly to the fact that playing Matt Doherty right now would make would be idiotic I think he was saying you know he's not he's not ready to play again yet I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to play any player who's not ready to play. So I think it's easy in this modern media world to put two and two and get five. So I think that's what happened there. Hope so. <laughs> mm, I'm a little less. I'm a little less optimistic about that. I think that he was saying that he's not seeing what he wants from Doherty in training, and that's why he's not selecting him. I, I thought earlier in the season, and his comments earlier in the season suggested that he was struggling for you know, from the injury that he got from Matty Cash last season. But I'm not convinced that's the case anymore. I think he's fallen out of favour. I think he has fallen out of favour. I would agree with that. I was more referring to the fact I don't think Antonio's ever going to call a player, one of his own players or refer to him directly or indirectly as, you know, would be an idiot or idiotic. But I, I yeah, again. Yeah, I completely talk agree about with that. 
I completely agree with that bit, Steph. It was just, I mean, the only bit that was seen true that he said was just that I, I watch him in training every day and I just don't think they're giving me the signals yet to be a starting yeah. player. It's a good bit. It go, I think it goes a bit, little bit back to what Potts used to say that you sign to train, really. You don't sign to play. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. In terms of how we played tonight, he's completely justified again, right? Let's talk about how we played overall. Yeah, I mean, I thought... I thought it was a pretty good performance on the whole, um, if you ignore what happened in the final third. Um, I mean, we created lots and lots of chances. And, um, you know, as we'll, you know, when we get on to the Arsenal game, I think we'll say a lot of the, a lot of the same things, or at least when we're talking about the first half there, in that the, the our final ball in, in the last third was frequently, you know, overhit. And um, if, we, if we'd clicked tonight, if the front three were playing well together, then I think we're you know, two or three up at half time and we come away with a really, really good score and, you know, really good result. And um it's just not quite happening for the three of them. And I think, you know, there's a there's there's a combination of things there. I think partly you've got I mean Sun feel you know looks like he's off form. He's looked like he's off form all, all season really. Um Kane was poor tonight and, you know, as I've said lots of times on this pod about the the blend of that front three, um it's a bit one track and um, one track against nine track. And, um, you know, we really missed Decky. Yeah, you certainly did. I think, um, I mean, nicely from our point of view, they came with just a bit of a mid block, really. They didn't really press us that much. And I thought us, we were like, we were definitely pressing higher in a more hurried fashion. We were getting after them a bit, not, you know, not to the kind of rabid levels of um, uh, Klopp's teams or anything like that. But definitely that's a bit of a change for us. And I also thought, um, and then we were kind of rotating Koyberg and Bentecor into that back three and that pushed Romero on even more. And we were looking for that diagonal ball to uh, Royale quite often, early on, this was. Um, but, uh, and it was going quite well. I think we, after, we really took control after 20 minutes and that was a real another critical part of the game where I think that just feeds into what you're saying in Milo. We just, we're just off that 5% in that last moment and that last action, really. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, you're exactly right. And, you know, when you talk about uh, Frankfurt sitting off us a bit, um, that really allows us to push up. You know, there were times, well, actually throughout the game, but particularly in the first half, where, you know, our centre-backs are on the halfway line. All of their players have dropped back into their own half. And, you know, we're having a lot of the ball. And I think mostly... In build-up play, we used it quite well. It's just not quite there. Like you said, it's just a couple of percentage points off, and I, I'm sure that will come. I'm sure that will come. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the system. Um, but, you know, again, kind of after the game tonight, I was seeing kind of the usual howls of, or, you know, what, we, what have become the regular howls of disapproval from online and um, some very, very negative reactions to the game, which I, I find puzzling. Well, first of all, I will tell you, I was watching it on Paramount+. Plus. Um, here in, in the States and the commentator um, who I don't know, I don't know who he was, um, a British guy, um, was, I mean, just from before the game kicked off, moronic, uh, referring to how we were completely and utterly outplayed on Saturday and, you know, completely steamrolled by, by Arsenal and so on and so forth. Again, we'll get into that later. But when you have that perception being picked up by mainstream media, um, the fans, it just it becomes a rolling ball of just rubbish. And people, again, forget the system they're watching versus the football they expect to see as defined by, you know, modern media outlets, so on and so forth. And so to talk about tonight's game is, uh, in detail, I mean, look, I think we'd all agree this system is working. It's even working without Decky for all its faults. We still created several very, very good chances to score. I mean, I think you would safely say in the first half, I would notch that up as uh, if not three sitters, certainly two. Um, I think Harry's got to do better twice. I think Sonny's got to do better once. I mean, we're creating the chances, even though our, you know, possibly our most important creative player is not playing. Um, I mean, and, and so the, that's, X, that's X, just to answer. XG for the first half was 0.89 to us to 0.24 for Frankfurt. So Yeah, and that's um, uh, it's always interesting. And that's probably not even counting some of the passes that we're talking about that didn't quite happen and were yeah. a little astray and were a little off. And, you know, it wasn't just Harry who uh, and Sonny who had a poor game. I have to say my my favorite, you know, my my favorite new signing, uh, you know, the great Richie. I mean, he he had a poor game tonight as well. They all had poor games up top. And it's just unfortunate because everyone else around them, I thought, was was doing, you know, it was pretty much at top, you know, top speed. 
if you will. I mean, they were looking good. So again, that's what you want. Uh, you you want to see that happen, and you want to see the chances going to those players. So there's no more that the system can deliver than it did tonight. Again, Decky missing, notwithstanding. Let's look at the subs that we did get on the pitch. I mean, we had Sess, Davies, and Brian Hill coming on. Um, the fifth beetle, if you will. Um, let's look at those subs one by one, shall we? Let's look at, uh, I mean, Sess for Perisic is fairly straightforward. And I think Davies for Longley at that point was as well, because Longley nearly got conned into a second yellow, I felt, by an increasingly, shall we say, dramatic Frankfurt side. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a shame because I thought Longley had a pretty good game on the whole. And, he did, um, I you know, I thought, you know, pretty composed in possession. A couple of times where... Um, he was losing a physical battle, but he recovered well. And I think every time that happened, he still came out on top, which is you know what, you, what you're looking for, really. Um, and then I thought it was, a, it was a shirt pull, wasn't he? he? Got the yellow four, which was fair. And then yeah, the armor cross later on. Yeah, it probably would have been harsh, but it you, you've seen them given. So yeah, I thought it was the right choice. Also, you know, Davis is coming back from um, from an injury. He needs minutes and. You know, it's um, it's just you know, I think getting him up to up to speed as much as anything. Um, and should we take the last one? I was just going to say I think that we should talk about Brian for a moment, our very own uh, our very own fifth beetle. Um, I thought I'll start this. I thought he looked very promising in terms of energy and attitude and spirit. But if ever there was a moment and a substitution of player which justifies everything Conti said in his press conference about fans are fans but I see what I see every day he he really he struggled to fight in that game and he was fighting hard but physically he just wasn't quite able to hold himself I mean the effort was unquestionable the skill but the physicality is not quite there I don't think I think that's probably true but I think we ought to be careful about being too harsh considering it's the first competitive minutes he's got this season, and it would be That's quite very difficult. Yeah, it'd be quite a difficult game to come into. And I, I'm kind of thinking back to sure. um, some of the criticism uh, that we made about Sessegnon towards the end of last season when he came back from an injury, and he took him two or three games to find his rhythm. And um, I, you know, I, I think it's it's I think it's a bit harsh to judge him or difficult to judge him coming on that late in the game, and the game was not very structured at that point it had broken down a bit and it was a bit end-to-end and I think those games are particularly difficult to come on to you'll come into particularly if you haven't been playing I think that's a very fair comment I mean just to be just to specify a little more what I was what I meant it wasn't so much referring to his performance um I was just saying I felt that physically he was definitely he he was he was having a hard time finding his physical match I thought tactically actually I thought he did very well I thought he fitted well and I thought he looked you know he looked really good on the ball he had that one moment deep you know in the deep left hand side where he was you know striding away if you will um and got taken down so but yeah we probably can't read too much into it but I would say again Antonio sees all these things and he knows when people are fully ready and when they're not. And I think we all know, had the transfer business gone a little differently, we would have been seeing a completely different player there anyway. So, Yeah, I think we have to think that with Brian, that he's, he's, his head was obviously at another club probably, and he's had to remain with us and yeah. do all he does in training. And I think the one thing, the kind of thing you can see from the outside is he's, he's, a, he's got a great spirit. And he's yes. and as we've said the other, well, as we've said the other times, that he, we love a tryer and he's certainly one of them. <laughs> he was trying his socks off tonight. And but almost to the point where you thought, oh, you're trying a little bit too hard, Brian. You just need to sort of like not, you know, not, 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 you know, you're just trying to make things happen too much. And then he would lose it, and then he'd chase after someone. I mean, that bit in the corner you talk about, Steph, was actually shows the confidence of the lad because he was chasing after something he'd lost, and he eventually yeah. got it back off the bloke. And then he'd done that little shimmy around that person, which realistically yeah. is a risky area to do something like that. And it just shows how confident he is. To do that, I mean, how how many minutes he gets going forward is anyone's guess, really. I suppose, I mean, Mora looks like he's definitely, you know, out for a while. So that's one place up the ladder that Brian is. Yeah, I mean, within the system we play, he's our most decky-like player who can play in that position. But I think Conte values um, strength, physicality, um, maybe attitude a bit a bit over that and uh, you know that's why we're going to see Richarlison play there more often than than Brian and why we haven't seen Brian come off the bench um but yeah in terms of like 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 for like replacements for Decky he's probably the closest we've got let me put something out here that is not in our notes um we have all these games coming up 
in October. We've, we've just started the run. We're already seeing signs of whether it be physical or mental uh, fatigue. We're seeing a knock here, a knock there. We've already lost um, a very important player for a couple of weeks. We're playing Eric Dyer week in, week out. We are playing Harry Kane week in, week out. Harry got hurt around the 62nd minute. Um, it didn't look like it was a particularly easy one to run off. He did run it off. Um, he is He didn't have a great game and he didn't continue to have a great game. Fair play to his spirit. He's our leader, our captain. Do you think that the he's sheer weight captain. of... He's, he's not, not our captain. captain. Maurice is our captain. <laughs> Correct. He's, uh, he's the national captain, they're right. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that goes to show, I, I, I forget completely that he isn't our captain because we look to him as our talisman on the field. I think he's what the point that I'm making there. And he uh, apparently is Antonio's talisman on the field because he, he won't take him off. But do we think that given this situation that's building and it is brewing, that he is going to be forced into that 3-5-2 sooner than later in a few games, if only to rest someone like Harry Kane? So as he can maybe do a Charleston and Sun up top, uh, it, it seems that it's it's almost inevitable at this point. He's going to have to go there, isn't he? I mean, I don't think so. No, I think he'll persist with this. Um, and I mean, it depends on how long Decky is out for. Um, there's conflicting reports on that. I think some of the Conte press releases, press conferences at the weekend, he was suggesting that he might be back for this one or or Brighton. Um, in which case, there's there's your rotation. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think he's likely to to change formation anytime soon. Do you think? Sorry, Ricky. I know you were going to. Come yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, I think he'll. I think it'd be a bit more signposted if he does. Um, I just think that he believes in his system and he believes in himself, and he just keep uh, teaching it and getting them to listen, and we will become better and better at it. I mean, the other thing is, is you have to remember <laughs> that he's got. He's seen what this system can do last year in in a string of games where we did it really well. And I think that's quite hard to forget sometimes. And I think it's a bit of a head scratcher for him as as much as it is for us, thinking sometimes when it doesn't seem to be clicking as much. But And I keep saying we'll run into form at some point. But I suppose the, the, the saving grace this year is I'm saying we should run into form, but we sit third in the league. So... It's not a bad thing. Yeah, and just to clarify again, it's not a criticism of the system I'm making. It's an observation of the impending physical wear and tear on these star players. And I mean, what I'm assuming that we're coming to the conclusion of here is that when Decky comes in, we're saying he's going to keep the same system. And if anyone does get rested, it will be within that system. So you would see Kane maybe sit down in that case and Richarlison get a shot at the, uh, you know, in his shirt, so to speak, his position with Decky coming in uh, to his usual position. But, Again, if Decky's still hurt and Kane, and we continue to flog Harry, I mean, can, can my question is, can he afford to be that stubborn if we don't have the players who can play the system? That that was more what I was referring to. So it's a physical I'm, reality. I mean, I think your argument around rotation and um, you know a current shortage of forwards is a more convincing argument for switching to three five two than some of the arguments I've seen around um, our current dif- difficulties in in creativity and playing style and I, I i'm a bit i'm not you know i i don't like kind of magic bullet solutions i'm not saying that's what you're doing steph but i think some of the criticism i've seen or heard people saying online is that you know difficulty playing out, out you know difficulty clearing our lines playing out for defense switch to three five two and suddenly everything's okay and i don't i don't think that's the case I do think that with only three fit forwards, playing two of them and giving having one on the bench makes more sense. It's a more convincing argument. But I suppose it just comes down to how long Decky's out for. If he's back at the weekend, then you know right. we've got through we've got through two games, and um, uh, you know all's well with the world again. Although I think yeah, it'll, just, I think it'll be Sunny. I think it'll be Sun that suffers, and uh, <laughs> and Kane it'll be Kane, Richarlison, and uh, Decky who play. Yeah, I heard what you meant first time around, Steph, and I do completely agree with Milo, really. that I mean, what you're saying is valid at the end of the day. You can't keep three blokes churning out all the time, especially if, let's say, it doesn't always look great. But, um, I mean, one one other advantage of three five two is it might shift Sun a bit more through the middle where I think it plays to his strengths a bit more because um, I wouldn't... I meant tonight's game, if you saw one of those videos where it showed every touch he had, uh, I don't think it would look very pretty tonight. I, I thought it was terrible again tonight. But I think Conte might take the opposing view in that he's trying to play him into form so that he is comfortable in the automatisms. And if he switches to a front two and he's playing off Kane, then we're not playing those front combinations. And, you know, if we think back to um, or the game we're going to go on and talk to next, the, the penalty... 
came from link up from those front three and with two on the pitch it probably doesn't happen even though sun over 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 hit the pass but we'll go on to talk about that we will and i think that what's very clear is that uh october continues to be a completely unpredictable landscape in terms of physicality and injuries and uh, i i think that perhaps that will be uh the thing that decides more than any uh you know desire for change or not change or whatever it's simply going to be who's standing by the time we play Leeds United <laughs> on November the 12th uh, at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I just hope that Harry makes it I really do because I, I I was very I was actually very concerned by that knock he took I really was it didn't look it didn't look good to me at all no. I mean I but, saw I saw Dyer limping around as well a bit yes, at the back he there got, towards the end yeah. yeah that was in the first five ten minutes wasn't it? he stretched to um to clear a ball or well, uh, kick a ball into touch. Yeah, but also and in the second so, half there. Maybe it was the same this. injury, though, that might have... Um, he took It took him a couple of minutes to run that first one off, so maybe he just felt it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is the thing. Yeah. So, medics out there, keep an eye, and you can tell us what you think. What did we think of Frankfurt? Um, I thought they were beatable, <laughs> and I think we'll definitely beat them at the lane. Uh They've obviously lost some players from last year and I heard that they were running into a bit of form. Um, they've won five out of their last seven, I think. Um, but I don't know. They didn't really have that much standout play, really. And, and you know, we didn't have to give them that much respect to then play a slightly different game to what we've been playing other weeks against teams we probably consider a lot better. Um, yeah, they've got a good crowd. Give them that. Yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed by them. I thought, I mean, we played, yeah, as we normally do against a team that doesn't dominate possession. So, you know, we we, play, we push up, we play a higher line, we're playing across them. You know, this is what we do against teams that sit back. They they offered more than a team that just sits back. And I think, um, you know, they'll be happier with the second half than the first when it got a bit scrappy. It tended to, I think, favoured them and they got, got some of their best chances um, then. But no, they're, in a, they're eminently beatable. And I think um, I'd fancy our chances back at the lane. I thought they offered little throughout the game. They never concerned me. The, the only moments they concerned me were when we made mistakes that we forced our own errors. Um, and I thought, actually, again, I go back to the fact we should have comfortably beaten them tonight. We should have taken our chances. And I fully expect us to comfortably beat them next week. Um, I was actually under-impressed by them for all the hype that they've come in with. Uh, I thought they were quite poor. Um, Marseille beat Sporting tonight. The group is quite even. Um, you know, look, where do we think this tonight's results leaves us in terms of qualification? Uh, I'll start by saying that I think before the game, you'd been very happy with a the point there. Um, and it leaves us in a, you know, in a, in a good position. Yep. Uh, I think we'll, as I said before, I think we'll beat Frankfurt. So that'll put us on seven points. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, because, I mean, it's always a bit tricky going to Marseille in that last game, depending what where they are in the group by then. But I did think, I've heard, because they were pine closed doors tonight, weren't they? They were, yeah. And I've heard they've got a partial closure as well for our game, I think. I think I've read that because of the, well, they've had various bad behaviours on their um, away trips or home trips. uh, They probably fully deserve that. Um, But yeah, I think think if if we beat Frankfurt, I think we'll be good. And that's first or second place, obviously. I'm not really too bothered if we're first or second place, to be honest. I think Marseille getting a result tonight makes it trickier because it makes it more likely that we're going to have to get a result when we go there. Um, probably the best for us was Sporting running away with the with the group and us coming through second. And um, yeah, I think it, I think the results tonight have made it a little bit um, more tricky. But agree with you, Steph. I think before the ball had been kicked this evening, you would have taken a point away at um, away at Frankfurt and. Again, I think some of the criticism I've seen of the performance from some people, or um, uh, you know, when it was other teams in in the Champions League and they'd get a result like this, you say that was a hard, you know, hard one draw away from home. Um, it's a good result, and you know, when you look at the table at the end, it's those kind of you know, getting a point away from home uh, when things aren't quite going well is a sign of a mature, mature team. And it's um, but it's when it's your own team, you people get a bit frustrated with it, don't they? Well, fortunately, I haven't seen any social media because, uh, you know, I got myself a beverage to sit down and record this pod. So are you saying that people are going apoplectic as they tend to do on social media um, immediately I mean, after a football match? Or um, Well, it's been a slow build for a few weeks, hasn't it? I think there's a narrative building, not just on social media, I mean, online fans, wherever they gather. And um, 
and I think there's been a bit a bit of a narrative building over the last few weeks and you know a performance where you don't win ends up fitting into a narrative rather than you know I think rather than judging a performance on it on its merits but um yeah there's frustration I mean there's frustration before a ball had been kicked that the same team was turning out um and then you know obviously crazy you know not not scoring people are frustrated with that it's the usual stuff nothing nothing um you know Online fanship's only black and white, isn't it? Everything's either great or terrible. So at the moment, everything's terrible. I think. I think just basically, I think some people just aren't entertained by it. And what I mean by that is some of the performances they're not that entertained by, and they mm-hmm. see that as something there's a prerequisite. Especially being, you know, a Tottenham fan, the game is about glory, as we say, <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I just think. Um, and I, I think they've got a right to that view. And I think they all hark back to saying, well, I'd rather it be like when we was Potch or when Harry was in charge and it was swashbuckling stuff with Harry and great kind of, you know, possession mm. football more with Potch. But um, but I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 but they must understand what's going on. And the other thing I think they need to figure out is that we're still in a good position. And also, uh, what what alternative are they looking for? Do they not want this manager? I mean, we're effing lucky to have this manager, basically. So who are we turning to if you know yeah. if you want to play some kind of free flowing whatever football? And, and it is looks and it and we've had plenty of games last year when it does look good and we look like world beaters and everyone in the press thinks we're look unstoppable. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I've I've heard some people um, calling for a, for Conte to be more swashbuckling. Well, he's not going to do that. He's never done that. It's never been a system he's played anywhere. Um, you know, he's got he's got well, he's won everything. Certainly, yeah, certainly domestically, he's won, you know, he's won everything by playing in this way. He's not going to change that. So, if you are calling for a, a change of style of play and for us to play, you know, possession football high up the up the pitch and press from the front, you need a different manager. Uh, it's. Number one, I think there is a little bit of a myth about swashbuckling football anyway. I mean, people have pointed to Liverpool. Liverpool play a very direct style of play as well. They don't use the swashbuckling creative midfielders. They use speed and power, and they always have with with technical excellence. So I think it's a little bit of a myth. I don't know many teams who do play the sort of, you know, picture-perfect Brazil football that we all imagine football to be. The modern game has moved on considerably, and it's about systems, and it's about very, very technical uh, setup and performance I think people are dreaming and secondly for the fans who complain about Antonio Conte and start talking about Mauricio Pochettino I'd like to remind most of them where were you when he needed support and how many times did you slag him off so we're, it's it's ridiculous I can't I can't take it on board as you said Ricky we are lucky to have this man understand the system of football that he plays before you comment on it please um, that's in general obviously I, mean, I, I, I do think great. that you know, you spoke about the commentator you had in the States tonight. And I, I think, you know, generally speaking, commentators um, kind of fixate on possession. I think that one of my regular criticisms of them is they kind of only commentate on the last kind of two minutes of a game. So if someone's, if some, a team's had two good attacks, then they're all over someone, regardless of actually what's happened in a kind of larger pa- passage of play. And you know, similarly, they'll look at possession stats over short periods of a game, and then and and kind of extrapolate out from that as to who's on top and what have you. And a team having a lot of the ball, um, you know, can look you know, can look imposing, you know, particularly if you you know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're on top because it's what you do with it. And you know, particularly when we're playing, and that's not the case tonight because we had a lot more of the ball and we you know played higher up the pitch but you know there's been plenty of times where you know you think about our games against Man City last season where we sat back hit them on the break it was really exciting um you know it can it can be great quite and actually to to sort of bounce off what you're talking about with commentators and how they pick up on a, on, on a, a thing and flog it to death uh, wildly out of context. Tonight's Paramount Plus um, a piece of genius. And I wish I had this commentator's name because I'd love to name check him. He was a fool, in my opinion. Uh, he banged on and on and on and on and on about how that we didn't have a shot on target until the 85th minute. Now, again, this just goes to show how misleading statistics are because here we are talking about the fact we should have gone in three or four up at half time because we missed clear chances clear sitters clear clear chances created um you know some from exciting play others just created but it just creates as you said these false narratives that get parroted so this guy has basically left people with an impression that we didn't get a shot on target nil nil draw and he actually even said you know you'd probably expect to go to a game like this and win it 
I mean, you're talking about the Europa League winners away in Germany, a country where we haven't had the greatest of success over the years. So, yes, I I think what we're trying to say is you must try and view these results in context. It's really important. And uh, with that said, should we go to one positive, one negative in 30 Mm -hmm. seconds? Well, one positive and one negative (laughs) in 30 seconds. Who wants to take it? Uh, I'll go first. Um, My positive is that... I think overall it was a really good performance. Um, I think you know, you're beginning to see the system work. You know, I think you're beginning to see you know, two thirds of the team playing very well. It's just that it's just in the final third of the pitch where where we're having those those issues. And I'm I'm pretty sure that um, there's a ginger Swedish solution to that um, soon to be running back on the pitch, and uh, and things will start looking a lot better. And my negative. Uh, is oh, sorry. <laughs> my negative is what we do in the meantime because uh, we don't have a lot of options without Decky, and um, yeah, we need him. Indeed. Um, my positive is uh, I thought I enjoyed watching Romero tonight. I thought he was back on the old um, hunting everybody down, and he was getting forward quite a bit. I think we need to see a bit more of that from him. Um, not the hunting people down. He just does that anyway, normally. But he was he was bang on it tonight. And um, I had a little other positive, an observation, is I very enjoyed the way Frankfurt allow various kids just to climb the barriers <laughs> and sit on there and watch the game from there. I re- that was so heartwarming. <laughs> Because they all must have been like under twelve, and they're just. And the thing is, when you're a kid, that's you're having your time of your life going to football grounds, doing things like that. And they were there's some great camera shots of them kids. So I like that. That was a positive. I, I tell you uh, what, it, sort of, it, you know, a bit of off on a. <laughs> if I was there, I'd sure. be climbing up on them rather to get out from behind some twat with a flag flying it for the whole game. It's like I'd oh, want discount. True, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd want discount if I was yeah. in one of those stands. <laughs> And I did actually worry for that stand behind the goal at one point when the, actually the whole end were bouncing up and down. Did you see that? Mm. And like, I think the, you, know, you can always tell it's doing something to the stadium because the cameraman has hassle trying to keep the camera level. But, um, uh, well, right. Anyway, negatives. My negative was um, sunny, basically, because I was really hoping that the Leicester kind of turnaround was uh, the making of him kicking on this season. But I... I, I I don't know what was wrong with him tonight. I just think he may be... I think he just needs switching off and switching back on again. That usually works, doesn't it, I think? And um, he's just... He at least needs a reboot of some type. I'm not quite sure what it is, but he's just not going for the lad at the moment. But um, as you say, he can run into form at any time, but we are waiting for that. Uh, two positives for me. Number one, it was nice to see the system create as many opportunities for us as it did after all the stick that it got at the weekend. Again, unnecessarily, as we'll be getting into. Um, the negative, uh, oh, one more positive would be I was really happy for Emerson Royale. I thought he had a really solid game, looked looked strong, um, especially again after the weekend, which we'll be getting into in a minute. Uh, and the negatives, the same as everybody else. I thought that our technical execution of those opportunities was poor. And if I, I Again, you know, Harry's, in particular, Harry's um, lack of execution really concerns me because at this point, he, he's in, that's he's increasingly not able to get on the end of things. So when he does get a chance, you need him to put it away. I mean, he was a bit physically off tonight, I thought, from the start again. Um, so we really need him to hit some form again, I think. That's my negative there. But it will become positive, I'm sure, come the weekend. Um, speaking of negatives, let's do what the Gremlins uh, tried to stop us from doing, and that is talk <laughs> about uh, the Saturday lunchtime defeat at the Emirates. Um, you know, uh, we talked this to the bottom of our glasses on Sunday, didn't we, chaps? And, you know, since then, the world and its collective mum have had their say. So I suppose we should just focus on a few, few short points. I mean, you know, let's once again address how how we actually played versus the perception of how we played. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say to starters, it wasn't it wasn't us crying into our microphones and keyboards that um caused the technical <laughs> fault. We were like <laughs> it was something else. We weren't that we weren't that sad, let's put it that way. We you know, you're upset but well, we no. weren't that sad. No, no, I didn't want to th- say that I was just actually saying we had a I, couple of I was saying referring to the drinks versus chat uh thing, which uh, you know yeah. I thought we actually sent it up. What you've missed, actually, is that we had a right good laugh in the end of it, and some of my greatest one-liners ever were lost to the Gremlins. You'll just have to trust me. I was on form and very, very funny. These guys were rolling well, well, in the aisles. I, well, I think, I, well, I think, 
I think your files there, Steph. I, so they are they are there somewhere in the old um, shh, cyber. Field. I don't want I don't want to be caught out lying. Shh, don't say that. <laughs> so, you're right, Steph. You're you were funny, and I accidentally deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> now we know that I've lied. Now we know I've just dropped a giant lie. But anyway, yes. But see, uh-huh. we we did have fun. We're even having fun thinking about having fun, even though we lost. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the point: how we played versus how it was said we played. So I think to talk about how we played, we probably need to break the game down into chunks. And you know, team selection, same as tonight. You know, in terms of you know pros and cons of that, probably the same as tonight. So we've already covered that. So let's gloss over that. In terms of the first half, um, the first fifteen minutes, Arsenal really came at us. We were sat deep, and um, you know we were soaking it up. They didn't create a lot, but we were struggling to clear our lines. I think after that, from kind of 15, 20 minutes on, we were coming more and more into the game. And then towards the end of the first half, I thought we were, we were well on top and Arsenal were rattled and, um, they were making unforced errors. And I thought we looked very good. And again, similar to what we were saying to, 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 tonight, I thought we were doing quite well at playing it out from defense, playing up the pitch, quick one to, uh, touch passing, but then too many moves were breaking down in the final third. And, yeah, I think when you talk about um, you know kind of the teams coming off the pitch at half time, I was pretty happy with the uh, half. I think we, I think Conte, um, well, I think we had um, you know executed our game plan better than Arsenal at the end of that first half, um, and you know ended up on top. And I think Conte would have been the happier manager going in at half time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of that. I think we're. Um... I think we were too deep at some points. We were kind of mm-hmm. quite slightly camped in our area um, and we was a bit passive as well, I think. We were, and I think, you know, if we're trying to show our initiative, some of the things we do sometimes doesn't really show our quality, really. I mean, like, I, I think with like, the, the, with Loris's uh, kicking out sometimes and Harry Kane's wasteful free kick from the halfway line, I just think it shows like, it it doesn't it, it sort of detracts from us bringing what we want to bring to the game and it makes us look a bit poor and it's quite easy for an opponent to think come on this just they just look terrible let's go after them but and i think the other thing is i think the other thing i was thinking the other thing if you play in a game and you're willing to give the way give the initiative away um the opponent can sometimes just think psychologically we're doing well here we've got the ball we're pushing them back they're camped in uh it feels like it's only us in this game. It feels like we're passing it around and we've got control of everything. And although we're in our own minds in control, because let's face it, I think we have a good shape and we hold a good shape and we are very good at that. I think sometimes the other team can just be buoyed by just thinking that they're on top, even if we think they're not, if you see what I mean. <laughs> I do. And I think that what's interesting is what you're saying. It comes down a little bit to mentality maybe and when i say that i don't mean in the traditional sense i mean what we're doing requires an extremely centered almost zen sense of calm and belief to execute and i think especially in that first half against arsenal we looked a little rushed almost like that ball's that ball's breaking and as soon as it's hitting the man in the, on the halfway line to play you know to play the one touch pass it's scuffed or a little bit sort of too busy. It's just there's, the smoothness was lacking. It's that technical touch. And I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know why that's happening. I don't know if it's rhythm. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what Conte's response to that will be is, you know, do the same, but do it better. You know, that that's his attitude to this. And I think, um, you know, that's part of the reason why we're seeing the team selections we're seeing. He's trying to play them, you know, back into form. You know, I agree with you about... We- um, yeah, but slightly just rushed and um, you know not quite there, or you know the passes are a bit heavy and behind a man. Um, there's been points over the last few games where we've had Richarlison and Son playing, where I've been wondering whether they're heavy hitting passes on purpose so that the ball's got to come back in for a, for the other person to be in possession and score, rather than you know, a bit of comp- competition there. I'm sure that's not happening, but there have been moments where I've see- seen a heavy pass and wondered whether they're making them you know run past goal. It's interesting, uh, repeatedly what we're coming back to as a subtext here, and again, this is uh, a count of the first half at Arsenal as uh, as much as anything, we are coming back to that subtext of the last three pods now, uh, that we do miss uh, the Ginger Swede so much because he does bring so, uh, that poise and he does bring that smoothness to our play that that we that we really currently we currently miss. Um, it's, it's blinding because I think about last season, 
the last the run that we had to get in the Champions League, we were playing this game for fun. We were executing with swagger and confidence and belief at a moment where we only had like fourteen players, I mean, or fifteen yeah. players. So, yeah, it's a conundrum. But, I mean, I think you know if you think back to the the Decky special we did last week, where I was saying that you know he's a base camp, he helps us get up the field and and settle, and then begin another passage of play. And I think against Arsenal. Uh, we really would have benefited benefited from that, and it, it would have helped give us something to build on. And you know, with the best will in the world, you know, Richarlison and Son can't do that. They don't have that in their locker. So you know, it's a big loss. Yeah, I mean, it I is. think what you're, you're describing really is that it, it, I mean, it's more likely to break down with Richarlison and Son than it is with Decky. And the reason that is is because Decky's game is just multifaceted. He's very good at when to hold it, when to give it. When to move into space, even and even take a man on, he's he's fine with that. I mean, I did have um, I did have a more general thought about this, and it's um, is some of it, as we say, a lot of our a lot of our plays and our tactics are all practiced, and they're just routines. And I think some of that, I wouldn't say it could become obvious, but kind of Conte is now eleven months in coaching that and implementing that. But what you've got to remember is, is all our opponents are 11 months in observing that and analysing that. So it, it, I'm not saying that's happening, but I think with some smarter managers, I mean, Tuchel recognises this. And I think actually, um, if you remember the Villa away game last year, they did exactly that as well, didn't they? Yeah. And the irony is we can still beat teams like that if we're perfect with our breakouts. And we were in that Villa game. Villa were really good in that game. And then we just destroyed them by being ruthless. Um, I, I don't think... Conte isn't wedded to the same automatisms. He he will change them up. He will, you know, there will be different ones. And I think we definitely need to see that. I think maybe the other the other convincing argument for three five two is that it gives opposing managers a question as to how we're going to line up. And you know, maybe with three four three, yeah. And particularly if you studied how Tuchel lines his teams up against us, then you've got a pretty good you've got a template. There's a blueprint there for how to make it very difficult for us. And we've seen lots of teams try to do that. I mean, Arsenal didn't. Arsenal didn't really change their game. They they played how they normally play. But um, yeah, maybe just creating a moment of doubt in an opposing manager's um, uh, mind as they're preparing for the game might be worthwhile. Absolutely. I mean, I think, and we'll talk about the second half uh, at Arsenal because indeed uh, at half time we had been exchanging um, uh, WhatsApp group messages. Um, and uh, I know that in that uh, chat, we had actually talked about the fact, hey, if we get to 70 minutes and it's and it's still 1-1, you know, maybe a 3-5-2 would really, you know, not just secure the point, but give uh, Kane and Son a chance to get closer together and possibly and possibly get the winner. But of course... I mean, that, you know. that, that was mainly you, Steph, because you've been saying it all week in the build-up to the game. I think you bet your house on him lining up 3-5-2 and we're just chasing maybe, losses yeah. at that point. <laughs> but maybe a 3 5 consideration is it doesn't... Like, like, like we're saying there, it doesn't have to be we swap from one system to another system like for a whole 90 minutes. We just, you know, we do half hour of it sometimes because I tell you, yeah. I mean, if Basuma yeah. and Skip, if Basuma yes. or Skip come on, absolutely, I'm fully reliant on those two players. I'm quite happy for them to come on and make the third man. And, and we talk about, and this is where, look, I, again, I, I love the manager, but this is where I am going to say, if you're looking to play Kane and Son into form, maybe sometimes you do want to switch to a three five two for that last 25 minutes or so. Give Sonny the chance to get closer to Harry. Give Harry the chance to get closer to Sonny. Sonny doesn't have to drop in and do things that he doesn't do very well. He does them. He works hard, but doesn't do them very well. Maybe that's how you... Maybe that's... Anyway, Antonio will figure it out, I'm sure. Let's get back to the moment in the second half where we realised um, that all of our thoughts and, and, and optimisms <laughs> half-time <laughs> had fallen apart. Um, it was the first of two horrible mistakes. Um, I mean, look, I suppose they speak for itself. We probably don't need to analyse it. Hugo drops a clangor. Um, there was also a problem in the build-up to the move um, where Perisic and, and, to a lesser extent, Sonny, neither of them covered themselves in glory with uh, you know keeping Saka under wraps. They've been doing it successfully for the whole game. Didn't happen that point. Hugo fumbles the shot. Somehow it ends up under his body. Yeah, I mean, I I, I disagree with saying that they dealt with it well all, all game. I think the um, the party goal in the first half also comes from a pass from that part of that side of the pitch. So um, I thought um, I thought it was a problem area for us. Although obviously Martinelli was um, kind of more imposing, more you know obvious, obviously uh, good. Um, I think what was interesting in that is that um, uh, Arteta had pushed uh, 
Ben White right up as well to to give them an extra man. So they had they had numbers there. Um, but you're right, it was a howler from Lloris. You know, he didn't get. You know, he, he it was a poor punch out, and then he let the ball squirm underneath him. It's just you know just not good enough. Yeah, I mean to address the the Thomas Pardy goal. I mean, I my Guna friend told me it was his the first time he's put one on target from there in what sixty five attempts. I think it was his sixty sixth attempt. And I think the game plan, as we would agree, was to to make sure that Saka didn't get round the back and didn't get shots on goal and pass that responsibility on to the likes of of Thomas Partey. I mean, I, I, I think that that you know the system is set up to do that, and I think it worked. I mean, it's like go on in try one unfortunately he did and it worked <laughs> yeah, i mean i think i think you're right i think over the course of a season we'll probably concede you know two or three of those but we'll be quite happy to let teams have you know multiple shots from that kind of distance throughout a game um you know it's something liverpool do they don't really even try and close down shots from distance they they want to encourage teams to do it because they know that 99 percent of the time they're not going to go in and all that the team is doing is surrendering possession Let's talk about that second mistake. Um, you know, Martinelli, who had, uh, let's face it, uh, a, a very good game and is, you know, he's quite a handful for anyone he comes up against. There's no doubt. However, the mistake that came via Emerson Royals, uh, you know, switch off, if you will, or brain fart, whichever you want to call it, was actually probably the most unnecessary of moments to, to do anything, let alone a little silly kick like that. I think it's a yellow card, but you understand why a red could be given, I suppose, in retrospect. However, I suppose I justify the red in a way because it was just so um, stupid, wasn't it? No, I wouldn't justify a red on the just on the basis that on I was shocked when he gave him a red. You know what I mean? I just thought... I mean, to be honest, there was... There, yeah, there, I, I, fair enough. Well, you was, can't give red cards to stupidity. There was a bit of a similar one be a lot of them long in the Premier wasn't there? So fair enough. Did you see when... In the first half, yes, I thought he got because he still tackled him from behind. But luckily, uh, his foot sort of rolled over the top of the ball, and then his foot. Do you when the bloke had the shredded sock at the back, Mm. right on his cover? And that's pretty much what um, uh, Emerson done. Admittedly, Emerson is the ball is nowhere to be seen, and it's one of those kind of casual. I'm just going to stop you from proceeding down the wing kind of things. But I don't think, as you said, I don't think it was massively physical as I think he 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 trod on him rather than no, stamped no on him no force and at all it's fast like a heavy tread didn't you need to be above the really. person similar to like dear old Lamella did on Fabregas's hand once upon a time that's like a decent tread and um uh but I just thought and as I say I think it was a bit like his foot got caught on his sock a bit and it that's why it sort of carried on for a bit longer but I just don't I mean that's just I mean it all could be semantic <laughs> Yes, it wasn't like an officer. Jaw. My fist got caught in, <laughs> it got caught in his face. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't repeatedly punching him. I was trying to free it from his mouth. <laughs> oh, I'd be great in court, wouldn't I? No, um, you're my lord. I was going to say, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the life is a barrister a of, ahead of you. A bit of an Arthur Daly defence. Um, that was yeah. <laughs> yeah, one for the teenagers there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was stupid. Uh, he 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 allowed the ref, you know, made made the ref make a decision that he shouldn't have needed to make. Um, you know, you said Martinelli was he was dangerous all game. The only thing he was endangering there was his own corner yeah. flag. You know, he wasn't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> it was completely there, pointless. Yeah. Um, he he did you know rake his studs down his shins. Um, I think there were quite a few um, kind of ankle taps and kind of heavy challenges that went on in the first half. So maybe he's a little unlucky in terms of kind of how other decisions have gone in the game, but it was an unnecessary challenge and, you know, yeah. I mean, I've had to that also how other decisions have gone across the whole season because they do seem to have been a bit more lenient this year. And I was just, I was was massively surprised by the red card. I mean, if it was a yellow, it'd never be uprated to a red by the people in, where are they? Somewhere, Stockley Park. I was going to say Bletchley Park for a minute. No, Stockley Park. (laughs) I mean, look, Taylor refereed two different games for me um, on Saturday. The first half, he refereed very differently, kept his card in his pocket, as Milo has pointed out. Ankle taps galore. Everyone's getting away with everything. Um, you know, he conveniently forgets that Martin Odegaard has pulled back Sonny on a breakaway, a, a clear yellow card. Uh, the excuse I heard was that he forgot. Well, I mean, there's enough technology in football right now that someone could have reminded him, uh, not the least of which if he just looked at the Spurs away end, there were loads of people reminding him. So no excuses there. And then the second half, he's just decided to get his cards out more frequently, hasn't he? I mean, it's a, two different games. Yeah, I mean, I think 
the shame of it, you know, what's what's the shame here is that is that it completely changed the game. I think even at two one down with eleven men on the pitch, I think we would have had a chance. Um, I do think that there should be some criticism criticism here for Conte for being so slow to make his subs um, because when Arsenal score their third, I agree with that. Um, you know, rather than having kind of five at the back, we've got four. Um, you know, Arsenal didn't have, need to have um, Ben White pushed up because they've got an extra man automatically um, at that point. And I thought that was you know it was silly. He could have just, I mean, even just putting someone on to slow to slow the game down while he works out what he's going to do would have been an option. Um, but yeah, I thought that was. I thought he got that wrong. And at and at three one with ten men, it is over. And then I think the subs he made were actually about saving people for today's game. I was a little disappointed that our seniors didn't step up to actually time waste or do anything to stop the game until the subs were made. I, I, for sure, I would have expected that, and I was actually surprised that there was that. That's not part of the of the planning for such games. I mean, especially the North London derby, especially given that they had almost declared that they were going to look to try and even up what they saw as an injustice from the game at the lane uh, late last season. So, I mean, you'd have thought that there would have been some prep on that, but there we go. Well, like, not, like we I tried to against West Ham and then end up conceding <laughs> from that. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, yeah. I, I, think I, it's the, I, I think it's on, thing, I think it's on the manager. Yeah, I think one thing that is that we should make clear, you know, sometimes people listen to us and, and you know, we, we, we fame, we're famed or we fame ourselves, I should say, on not being a knee jerker pod. We don't do that. But it was an incredibly frustrating game. And, you know, I don't think any of us are happy with the result or what we didn't manage to do. But again, it's really important that people understand the system we play and how we play rather than how they want us to play. And if you meet that out or meet that out across the Arsenal game, we did more than enough to come away from the Emirates with a result. Again, we're down to the things that plagued us tonight, which are, which is execution, technical execution. And, and that's where we're in a grey spot right now. We're just not executing those technical moments uh, as we should and to the class and quality that I think we'd be entitled to expect from the players that aren't executing them. That's the question to Indeed. solve. I agree, sir. <laughs> well that's it then chaps <laughs> that's it then chaps uh next up is brighton at the amex on saturday for the 5 30 kickoff followed on wednesday by eintracht frankfurt at home in the champions league uh before we go we'd like to express our saddest sympathies for all who lost their lives in the tragic disaster in indonesia on saturday night where an estimated 125 people died with 320 injured during a crush caused by rioting and police tear gassing at the Kanjuran Stadium. So um, our deepest sympathies to everyone who has suffered in that disaster. Um, I think it's important we mention that. Um, anyway, thanks very much, Cheers, gents, Steph. for picking it up again. Cheers, Steph. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Please do leave us a review, a positive one, a nice one, so as we can get sponsored by those manscaping companies or whatever else and uh, help cover the costs of this fantastic pod that you enjoy. So. Thank you very much, and we will see you next week.